like that. You want to try that. It's like we have back. done it. Yes, give yourselves a round of applause. Give me a round of applause. I have recorded for a week. It has been exactly one full week of Logan Blackman show content. And I know a lot of you out there, maybe, uh, maybe not, hopefully not a lot of you, but some of you out there are probably saying they're like, gosh, darn it. Because you don't swear and go, wow. I liked it when Logan was on this little hiatus. When the last show he posted was on March 11th. We're sitting here on March 7th. For you, it's March 8th. And we have released four episodes in a row. Oh, my goodness. Recorded the first show on a Monday since February 21st. Good Lord. We did that. Wednesday's show, kind of a shit show. Not going to lie. I mean, I wasn't feeling the greatest. Um, I'm feeling better now. I'm still congested and my head hurts because I'm so congested, but I popped an IB pro or uh, Tylenol before this because with your concussions, you know, you got to take Tylenol. You can't take ibuprofen. It's one of the big unwritten, written rules of concussions. You can't take ibuprofen, which I found out later in the realm of having my first concussion at William Penn because you have, you know, trainers that are medically certified to assist you on everything you do and you just don't think about that you're like okay what's the one medicine that everybody talks about when you're talking about sports injuries that is always now there might be some cases where it's different but when I was in high school and growing up you always 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 took ibuprofen like I watch people pop ibuprofen like they're a freaking tic tacs or skittles or something like that in high school like, ibuprofen is supposedly the GOAT when it comes to sports injury things, but, and then you go to school, and I think it has something, that, I could be wrong with this, again, I'm not a medical doctor or anything, or just anything medical, really, but um, from what I've gathered, from what I've been told, now again, some of the information I've been told has not been from medical doctors, this has been from college students that have played sports. From what I've gathered, taking ibuprofen with a concussion can result in brain bleeding, so that's a... Right, don't do that. So just a little Logan Blackman Show friendly advice. If by some weird occurrence you get a concussion, make sure you're taking Tylenol, not ibuprofen. So I haven't, I don't remember honestly the last time I've taken ibuprofen because I was told to take Tylenol when I was a sophomore at William Penn for my concussions. And then ever since then, good Lord, that's been what? Sophomore year. So that was 2017, 2018. I'm old. That was four years ago. At four years ago. It doesn't feel like it was four years ago. My head feels like it was left back in four years four years ago just because my head hurts right now. But again, just because I'm congested, we're good to go. Hopefully this show is not as bad. I mean, this last show was the first one in a while where I've actually gone in and said, I want to record a short episode. And then I've actually gone in and recorded a short episode. Like it was somewhere, I don't know the exact length of it. It was somewhere underneath 50 minutes. I went in saying I wanted to go somewhere around 45 minutes, and I believe, I'm not, again, I'm not looking at it, but I think it was somewhere in that realm, which was very big for me. But I think I just wanted to die that entire show. Like, we went over favorite prospects of the non-top prospects in the draft, so it couldn't include the top players of each position. And that kind of sucked. I'm not going to lie. I will apologize straight up for that little segment because I was not prepared for that one. Well, I was. I was prepared. I had a list and everything to go, and I had prospects I really liked, but I just couldn't get any words out. You could say that was a familiar, that was just the, the constant theme or the consistent theme throughout that entire episode was that, oh, Logan just can't talk, which is why we even reviewed Todd McShay's mantra. I don't remember the last time we reviewed anything Todd McShay 
or Mel Kuyper or Daniel Jeremiah or those guys have done. But man, when you're not feeling the best and you want to put out a show, you want to stay, get back on the horse as say at per se, you're going to do anything possible to get the show at least over a half hour. There's very rare times I will have a show that's a half hour long, especially when I have intros like this. So without further ado, welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I'm very excited for today's episode. It was opening day in Major League Baseball, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. My brain, again, on Wednesday was not really working at 100%, or Tuesday when I record the show. was not working at 100%. So I did not even comp compute or anything like that. That opening day was the 7th, Thursday. Did not even think about that. In my brain, for some reason, I thought opening day was the 10th. I don't know why, but that's what my brain told me. And I got, I woke up this morning, hopped on social media, opening day is today. And I love opening day. Opening day in baseball is one of the greatest days in America. Not just in American sports. It's just one of the greatest days. Like, it's America's pastime. It's the oldest sport next to boxing in America. Like, when you think of old-timey America, you think of baseball and boxing. More often than not, I know there's some other people out there that go like, well, I think of the Bill Russell era of basketball. Or I go to Elgin Baylor or people like that. No, no, no. I go to the... um. John Hadle era. The John Hadle era. Was that a thing? The John Hadle era. <laughs> the NFL. No. Not the Sonny Jurgensen. No. <laughs> no. YA Tittle. We're not going there. We are talking about Onus Wagner, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, the greats of baseball. And we are here on opening day. And it's a pretty crappy day. Not going to lie. This weather today was not ideal. Not ideal whatsoever. Windy. It snowed for portions of the morning, which was really weird. It rained for a lot of the day. Like It is just a disgusting, disgusting day. And when you support a team like I do, it's in the Midwest, in the Chicago Cubs, your weather is going to be somewhat similar to that team. So what we've got here in Iowa, I don't know what the temperature is exactly. It feels like probably 35 degrees or something like that. And windy. And it's Iowa, so, you know, the wind chill makes everything colder. So it's like, what is it? The Sorry. I've got a toy. I, every every time I record a show, I hold something in my hand. I don't know why. Right now, I've got a, uh, you know when you buy socks at, like, Shields or something? Or maybe even Target, and they've got that little hook. Because they're on hooks for some reason. I'm playing with that. I got socks in the mail last night. I got, like, a whole new wart. uh, uh the bottom half of a wardrobe. I've got short socks and shoes. So um, that was pretty exciting. But I'm playing with that. So I was bending over to try and get that picked up. But yeah, in Iowa, you know, the wind chill, the wind in general, the humidity. Good Lord, the humidity. It just makes things a thousand times worse. So like when I was at William Penn, there was a few practices. And William Penn Stadium, for those of you who are unaware of what it looks like, is kind of in a hole surrounded by cornfields, essentially. So there's nothing stopping the wind. So when the wind tucks in under the state, it gets like a thousand degrees colder down there than what I, it, it just got cold. So when you're at first practice at William Penn as a freshman and you're from the South, like from Georgia or Florida or a place like that, we had a kid from Louisiana as well. You ain't used to that. Us Iowa boys, we're fine. Like, people are rocking sweatshirts under their pads. I've never done that before. I understand if you're not used to this weather. And I know there's some people out there who's like, well, it's the same for everybody. And I'm under I'm under that assessment as well. <laughs> but, 
when you're in the NFL, that's a little bit less of an excuse because you're going to play in cold weather games regardless. When you're a freshman at William Penn University from Georgia, you ain't really used to it. And you played these cold weather games in college as well. So like you're, you get acclimated to it. Not your first ever practice. But it gets cold. In Iowa, we know this. We know that. I remember the first time a farmer laid manure on the field. That was a whole different experience as well for the people that never experienced that before. I got an uncle that owns a farm out in Granger. So, like, we've experienced the manure hundreds of times. Hundreds, if not thousands of times. So, it was nothing new. But these kids from down south and from places not outside, or outside the state of Iowa, from bigger cities. Like, we had some people from the suburbs of Chicago. We had people from Oakland. Like, weird how that all worked out. How the hell people from these cities stumbled across Oskaloosa, Iowa? I will never understand in a million years. Because I could bet you... There are a few even Iowans that don't even know Oxaloosa exists, let alone people from big cities like the ones we just mentioned. So, hey, credit to you guys for joining the going to William Penn. But in Chicago today, it looked cold. We brought up Chicago a little bit a little, with the Cubs and people coming from William Penn that were from Chicago. It's, it looked cold. It looked a little chilly, and the wind was blowing out, which is always great because that means you can hit some dingers. And Nico Horner... The first home run of the season? Congratulations, Nico Horner. Not just the first run of the season for the Cubs. The first home run of all of baseball. One of the least likely people to jack a dinger on that roster is Nico Horner. Nico Horner has hit a home run since 2019. This has been a long-ass time since Nico Horner has hit a home run. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but a lot of Cubs fans, including myself, love themselves from Nico Horner. First-round draft pick back in 2018 or something. I was working for the iCubs at the time. When he got drafted. And I remember at the time, people were talking about on social media, it was a little bit of a reach by the Cubs. He was picked like 27th or something. In the 20s. Which if you're picked in the 20s and considered a reach, it's most likely considered. Like Peyton Turner in the 2021 20, NFL draft from the New Orleans Saints. 28th overall, I believe, from the Saints. Edge rusher from Houston. No one really thought he'd be a first-round draft pick except the Saints. And they have also been notorious for trading up for people that... You know, they love reaching. Like, they traded up to 14 to select Marcus Davenport in 2018. A little bit of a reach there. But I digress. Nico Horner has been one of the better players in that first round of the 2018 MLB draft. Let's look at let's look at some of the some of the players that were selected in that first round of the 2018 MLB draft. So is there okay. Is it is there like a where is that? Okay, here we are. Here's the first round. So Casey Mize. Starting pitcher for the Tigers, he's done really well for himself. He's starting to do really well for himself. Joey Bart is going to be the starting catcher for the San Francisco Giants this year. Uh, Buster Posey just retired, so he's going to be the starter. Alec Baum from the Phillies, kind of up and down last year. Hopefully he gets some stability this year. The Cubs were linked with Baum when they were trying to trade Chris Bryant a few years ago. Nick Madrigal, Cubs second baseman, so you know what? Good job, Nick Madrigal. Uh, Jonathan India, just one rookie of the year. Very good player in his own right. Uh, Kyler Murray, I didn't even know was drafted in this draft, but he was drafted ninth overall by the A's. What other players do we got on here that are big-time players in baseball right now? I think Noah Naylor is playing for the Indians right now. Oh, no, he's not. I, th I was thinking of someone else. Wait, what? It goes by Bo Naylor. Bo, <coughs> Bo Naylor. That's an unfortunate name, and you willingly go by that. That's cool. But Nico Horner got selected 24th. Overall to Stanford. So the Cubs starting mid in middle infield for the 2022 season were both selected in the 2018 draft. Which is awesome. I, I really liked the Cubs lineup today. I really enjoyed it. I, I 
I am share the brain with a lot of Cubs fans out there that are kind of getting sick and tired of. I don't want to. I don't. I feel bad for saying this because I like what he's done for the Chicago Cubs over the years because he was one of the most influential pieces, or one of the not most, one of the more influential pieces in regards to leadership and defensive ability for that 2016 World Series team. But for how athletic he looks and how big he is and what he used to be. Jason Hayward is one of the most frustrating players in all of baseball. Cannon for an arm, consistent gold glover, transition to center field, but I think most Cubs fans agree they would rather see Rafael Ortega playing in center field than Jason Hayward. And the bringing of Seiya Se- uh, Se- uh, Suzuki was one of the first steps to go, oh, here's the replacement in right field. And then you saw players like Clint Frazier, who's been a little up and down in his career so far with the Yankees, he had an awesome spring training. And I know spring training's hard to get a good grasp on how a player will be towards the season because a lot of things they do, especially with pitchers, I know Clint Frazier's not a pitcher, but just an example, they will be practicing a specific pitch once, so don't look at ERA for pitchers. But like I remember a few years ago, after Dexter Fowler left, it was Ian Happ and Albert Amora for the leadoff spot. Ian Happ was raking homers. First pitch of the season against the Marlins. Jack to Dinger to right field. And then he was down in the minors like a few weeks later. <laughs> and then the Kyle Schwarber experiment started at the leadoff spot. And Albert Amora, he was on the Mets last year. He was important to that World Series win as well because his base running was very key on getting the Cubs that first World Series win in 108 years. Like, he was key. But I don't... I like Albert Amora. He hit a home run in one of the games I went to uh, a few years ago against the Brewers, I believe it was, when he hit the home run. But... Yeah. So don't judge too harsh off spring training or too much or read too much into spring training because sometimes those can be kind of a up and down and you're not playing always the best people. So your your numbers can be a little bloated. But Clint Frazier, he hit a um, he hit a double today against the Milwaukee Brewers in a 5-4 win, which is very... <laughs> the quest for 162-0 started today and they have successfully won their first game. So you know what that means? You can't, you can't go 162-0 if you don't win your first game. In the same breath, you can't go one in 161 without winning your first game. Like, you can do, like, yeah, you can't win every game if you don't win your first one. That's all that matters. And you beat the Brewers, one of the most annoying teams in all of baseball, with some of the most unlikable players on their team in recent memory. Ryan Braun is a main one there, Mr. Steroid Head, and then Christian Yelich is the current one there. Two very annoying not very likable players, at least from the eyes of a Cubs fan. I mean, they could be viewed totally different in other realms. Like, Christian Yelich stole an MVP from Javi Baez. I, I know he had a very good year. This is more sarcasm than anything, but a little not, because I'm still butthurt about that, because Javi Baez, my favorite player of the Chicago Cubs of all time. So, you know, it's whatever. But, man, I'm, I'm getting kind of... And Hayward had a good game. I don't want to take anything away from Hayward in this game, because Hayward had a very nice game. I think he had two hits in the game. One of them was <laughs> very lucky. It was. It should have been an infield pot fly. And the Brewers, it was Tellez, Adamas, and Wong all surrounded the ball and then just all spread out at the exact same time. And then it was, oh, yeah, uh, we're just not going to make a play on the ball. So Hayward ended up going two for four in the game. <laughs> he had a very nice game today. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of Cubs fans, for the money that they've paid for him, are just tired of seeing Jason Hayward in the outfield. Like, leader-wise, very important player. Bat-wise, he's teetering on that level of elite defenseman, not great bat as, like, Darwin Barney. 
but a lot more athletic and a lot more gifted than Darwin Barney was. And I, I am saying this, I love Darwin Barney. I have a Darwin Barney signed baseball. Him and Starlin Castro were supposed to be the next great middle infield for Chicago Cubs. Only one of them turned out to be decent at his peak, and the other one was really good, like elite defensively, but consistently bad at eighth in the batting order under some very bad Cubs teams. But I know a lot of Cubs fans want to see Clint Frazier in the outfield. Uh, Michael Hiramasio is another player that they want to see a lot in the outfield as well. Very fan friendly, fan fan favorite Michael Hiramasio. So with what people are wanting, is Clint Frazier playing left? And then have Ian Happ play center, or Ian Happ play DH, or something like that, or Rafael Ortega playing center. But Hayward, right now, he's the number one center fielder for the Cubs. And if Rafael Ortega play DH, because Rafael Ortega at the top of order against right-handed pitching is very, very solid. He had a very, very good season last year. He hit about 290, 291, somewhere around there. Hit some crucial dingers for the Cubs last season. Like, Rafael Ortega, uh, Late bloomer. There's a lot of people on this Cubs team that are like that. Frank Schwindel is another one. Uh, Patrick Wisdom was one of the Rookie of the Year candidates at 30 years old. The Cubs are going to have another one this year with Seiya Suzuki. He's 27 years old. So we'll have a lot of that. And Suzuki got his first hit in the big leagues today, so that was a big thing. Uh, got two walks in the game as well. Struck out once, but two walks. After starting the count at a one and two count, finishing it with a walk, very impressive. Your first ever at bat in Major League Baseball going up <laughs> against Corbin Burns, a very good pitcher who walked three people in this game. Uh, so, yeah, that was very impressive. Got a first hit as well. Single to left field. Ended up scoring on that on a Patrick Wisdom pop fly. Beautiful stuff. 5-4 win. Loved it. Loved every single second of it. Nico Horner, Jack and a Dinger was just beautiful. Not surprising. Patrick Wisdom struck out twice. I think they said in the broadcast he struck out on 40% of his at-bats last year. I could be completely wrong about that. But you know what? That seems like a lot. <coughs> <coughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Patrick Wisdom, if you threw a high fastball at Patrick Wisdom, 95% of the time, somewhere to between 95 and 98% of the time, he was swinging at it for the fences. But when Patrick Wisdom connects with it, good Lord, that ball's going 1,000 feet. If he does it, he's kind of got that Javi Baez swing where he's going to torque his hamstring or something. Torque his hamstring. So, yeah, but all in all, Great game. Ian Happ had a great game as well. Three for four. Got two RBIs in the game. Didn't strike out, which is a big move for Ian Happ. So give us a uh, round of applause for him. Uh, Wilson Contreras got hit by a pitch in the game. And he wasn't happy. Because he's been hit by a pitch by the Brewers. I think they said 14 times. Nick Madrigal didn't get a hit in the game. Did strike out. Has a very low strikeout rate. So I'm not going to read too much into Nick Madrigal. Not really doing a whole lot in this game. But hey, you know what? A dub's a dub. Start off 1-0 at home. Beat the Brewers, who I did not know until today, have had, since 2011, since Prince Fielder went to the Tigers, have had 11 different opening day starting first basemen. I did not know that. And they read through the list, and there were people that I completely forgot about played. So Rowdy Tellez is the latest one. We'll see if Rowdy Tellez can hold down the spot for a year. I know it's asking a lot from him. Like the Cubs had one opening day first, first baseman since 2012, and it was Anthony Rizzo. Jeff Baker was the last one. And then we know, you know, Brian LaHare was there as well. Not an opening day guy, but he was there. And then now you got Frank Swindell. And a lot of people, including myself, really like Frank Swindell. So I'm excited to see how he does with the first baseman spot. His. And he knows it's his. Like, he played really well for the Cubs last season. When he when he eventually got called up to the majors after getting traded for from the Athletics in a trade involving... What was the trade? It came over from the A's. I can't remember who the trade was for. 
or who they sent to the A's. Tony Kemp was part of it. Uh, who is there? I can't remember. I'm completely blanking. But all in all, very fun. I love opening day in baseball. It is, it's just beautiful. It's just a very beautiful day. So with that... I know we haven't really talked about baseball a lot recently. I know we did a couple segments where it's like, oh, here's what is going on in baseball right now. Where we've got the lockout, the supposed lockout, the all the moving of games. Oh, no, we're back. Oh, spring training's back on. All that stuff done and dusted. We have finally entered opening day in baseball. we got a few games going on right now. I know it doesn't matter to you guys. You all know what the results are. But the Guardians, the new the Guardians, who were once the Cleveland Indians, are now the Cleveland Guardians. Our tie with the Royals 1-1. The Cardinals 4-0. And I told my dad today, like, I think a lot of Cubs fans can relate to what I'm about to say. If you can't, I apologize for this. Maybe I'm in the minority here, the very weird minority here. I want the Cubs to kill, just destroy the Cardinals. If the Cubs could somehow, I know this is very unrealistic, I have one ask the Cubs this year. I've already lowered my expectations. I'm not predicting them playoffs. I'm not, I'm not predicting World Series. Nothing. All I ask from this team is that you kick the shit out of the Cardinals. They brought back public enemy number one from my childhood, Albert Pools. So now we got Albert Pools, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright. Three of my least favorite players of all time. Albert Pools is one of the reasons I hated being a Cubs fan to grow up. One of the many reasons because there wasn't a lot to cheer for. I mean, you had a few odd years. That was back-to-back years where they got swept by the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers in the playoffs. That was awesome when you had the best record in baseball. But Albert Pools hated him with a burning passion. Now the dude's like 100 years old, so I don't fear him as much as what I did back then. But when that number five steps up to play against the Cubs for the first time, and I don't know when the Cubs and Cardinals play to start the year, but I need a big-time performance from whoever's pitching. The Cubs don't play the Cardinals all the way till June 2nd. Good Lord. That feels late. And I don't know who's pitching. But you play them five games in a row. So I need a big-time performance from Stroman, from Hendricks, from Smiley, from Steele, from Thompson, from Mills, for whoever Alizé... No, not Alizé. He's probably not going to play all year. But for whoever the hell the pitchers are, Destru- bean him a few times. He ain't running on you. It bean Yachty too. Don't really matter to me. Dudes ain't running. <laughs> the fact that Yachty even still manages to get singles is very impressive. So like, bean him, and then you got no base runners pretty much, unless whoever they have up to bat next. Who's who's batting six for the the freaking Cardinals today? Because Pools is batting fifth. Who's batting sixth? Paul Young. Okay. Paul DeYoung kind of sucked ass last year. So, hey, but he can still connect on a dinger. So, look out for that. Maybe they put Lena there and you can just bean both of them and have someone like Harrison Bader up next who's just very fast, but you slow him down by having two, lack of a better term, toddlers running the like speed of a toddler. They're old as grandpas, but they're slower than that. They're like not able to walk toddlers, not able to crawl toddlers. They're pretty much immobile. They can't move. That's what you got in Yadier Molina and Albert Pools when you're talking about base path. Like, with the Mets last year, Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor <coughs> roasted Yadier Molina while he was trying to get to first base. Basically, La Tortuga. And I know La Tortuga, uh, I shouldn't say no. I think he still plays for the Twins. William Astolito, 
I think he still plays for the Twins. I could be wrong. He's more of a meme player at this time than anything. I don't really know what he does anymore. <laughs> he plays every position. He's, you know, short and big. <laughs> I don't really know a lot more about him than that. But with that being said, after making fun of Albert Pools and all that stuff, opening day, all that stuff finally out of the way, we can do our Major League Baseball, 2022 Major League Baseball predictions. And we're going to try and go through each roster for each division and go like, oh, this is why I think this, this is why I think that, this is why yada, 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 yada. So starting off with the AL East, we're going East, Central, West, AL, because A starts before any alphabet, and then NL, East, Central, West, okay? Moving East to West, okay? So starting off in first base, or first base, first place in the AL East is the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of people that are still saying the Yankees will win this division, but the, the Blue Jays are just too good. They got too many good players. Vlad Guerrero's the early favorite to win MVP, at least in my book. I don't know if he's actually technically the favorite to win MVP because Shohei Otani won it last year. And if he stays healthy, Lord knows he could probably win it again. But they just got very good players. They did lose. Oh, crap. Oh, no. What's his name? 38. What the hell's his name? He went to the Mariners. What is his name? I'm completely blanking. Robbie Ray. They did lose Robbie Ray this offseason, but I don't care. I know Robbie Ray had a really good season last year, but man, I'm still taking the Blue Jays in this division. They have two... Where? Why can't I click on this team? Okay. But you still got George Springer leading off. Teoscar Hernandez is a very nice player who can, who's looking like he's going to bat third. Projected 35 home runs this year. You look at the top four batters in their order. Springer, Guerrero, Hernandez, and Bichette. 34, 45, 35, 29 projected homers. Then you go down, they made a trade for Matt Chapman from the A's, who just blew up their entire roster this year. He's down in seventh in the batting order. Yoris Gurriel, also in the Jackson Dingers as well. Kevin Biggio is a pretty decent, at best, second baseman. Like, they have some very nice players in this. Jose Barrios, uh, Kevin Guzman, they got Gossman, they got him from the Giants this year. Like, there's some, there's some nice players. They got Yimi Garcia from the Astros this year, so yeah, I'm predicting the Blue Jays win this division. The next place, the Yankees. I know, I know, I know. They're probably going to come in freaking fourth in this division. There's four playoff teams in this division. Talk about the other two in a little bit. But it's just hard to overlook the Yankees just because of how many people they bring in every offseason. I know they traded uh, Gary Sanchez this offseason, also traded third baseman. Why? Uriel. They traded Uriel to the Twins. They brought in Isaiah Kainer Falefa from the. Texas Rangers. They got Josh Donaldson in return. He's 36 years old. We'll see if he's still got some things in him. He's their leadoff hitter. Projected leadoff hitter right now. Still got Aaron Judge. Anthony Rizzo signed the contract this offseason. Still got Stanton Gallo. Most strikeouts. They'll probably lead the league in strikeouts this year. Still a very solid team, though. DJ LeMayhew, not the same player he was when he first signed with the Yankees, but still a really good second baseman. Aaron Hicks should be back in fully healthy this offseason. I sit switch hitting center fielder. Garrett Cole, I know he capitulated in the playoffs but he's still a very good pitcher. So I'm not really worried about it. So I'm going to still have them finish second in this division. Then third place, I'm going to go with the Rays. The Rays are never the sexiest team to pick for. They did trade uh, Meadow, Austin Meadows this uh, just a few weeks ago or a few days ago. I didn't know it until today. They traded Austin Meadows, but they just signed Wander Franco to a massive contract extension. Randy Arena is a baller as well. So yeah, there's nothing really sexy about the Tampa Bay Rays. Their stadium's disgusting, but... Yeah, they brought in Corey Kluber this offseason, so we'll see how that one goes. But 
Yeah, you got to go with the Rays in second, just because they'll always be around that realm. It's kind of tough between the Red Sox, Rays, and Yankees, with the Red Sox in fourth. They brought in Trevor Story. They lost Kyle Schwarber, which hurt. What is this? That's not what I clicked on. The Red Sox page is bugging out on me. They had Whit Merrifield on there. Whit Merrifield, that's the... It is showing me a mixture of the the Royals and the Red Sox. But either way, they brought in Trevor Story this offseason. Bobby Dahlbeck is going to be the starting first baseman with Schwarber going back going to Philly. Uh, they brought Jackie Robinson back. They traded Hunter Renfro to the Braves or the Brewers for Jackie Robinson. Still got J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers. Kike Hernandez has been awesome for their leadoff hitter spot this year. Or last year he was. Yeah, Alex Verdugo, nice player as well. So, yeah. They're going to be up there as well. I wouldn't be surprised if, honestly, they were at the top. They did bring in Michael Walker and Rich Hill this offseason. Rich Hill's 42 years old, so we'll see how he's, how much he's still got left in the tank. But, yeah, I like the Red Sox, but I have them just below the Rays. All the, these three teams will all finish with somewhat similar records. I mean, and there's no surprise for guess who's coming last. It's going to be the Orioles. I feel bad because Cedric Mullins is a very nice player. I like Cedric Mullins. I really do. Ryan Mountcastle is a pretty decent player in his own right as well. <coughs> They brought in Rognan Odor from the New York Yankees this offseason, but there's nothing. Yeah, Robinson Chirinos is their starting catcher. Really? You're really banking on Robinson Chirinos to be your number one guy at catcher? We'll see if uh, Adley Rauschman, I don't know when his timetable is right now to be called up to the majors. He's currently injured, but I would imagine at some point this year you see Adley Rauschman moving up to the majors. He was the number one draft pick a few years ago, compared heavily to in regards to prospect rankings, in regards to like how good we think he could be in Buster Posey, who's my favorite catcher of all time. So very high praise for him, but that's my AL East ranking. So we got the the Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, and the Orioles. Moving on to the next division, and it pains me to say this, but the AL Central is owned by the Chicago White Sox. They have the best roster, bar none, in this division. It's pretty much a one-horse race. There's really no competition in this division. Like you look at their roster top to bottom, pitching, fielders, players, whatever. Like, Lucas Giolito is my favorite to win the AL, AL Cy Young. Dylan Cease is there. Uh, they are without Lance Lynn for a little bit. who's on the 10-day DL, so we'll see how soon he comes back. They just traded, uh, what's his name, Craig Kimbrell for the Dodgers for A.J. Pollock, so they got some outfield help for Pollock. Still got Liam Hendricks there. They brought in Kendall Graven from the Astros. But, yeah, their field, look at, like, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jose Ramirez, or Jose Ramirez, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, AJ Pollock, Josh Harrison, and then they got Lurie Garcia. They've got Juan Mancada, who's on the 10-day DL to start the season. Like, he'll be back and be very good because it's Yoan Mancada, Cub killer Yoan Mancada. But you don't have Nick Madrigal because you trade him the Cubs. So that's all that matters. You trade him the Cubs. All that matters is that he's on the Cubs now, but the White Sox are winning the stupid division. Obviously, they're winning the stupid division. I hate it, but they're winning the division. Second place in this division, we're going to go with the Twins. It was kind of weird. It looked like they were kind of moving on from certain things, like moving on from Donaldson. They traded Nelson Cruz last year to the Rays. But then they moved in this offseason. They brought in Carlos Correa from the Astros. They got in Gary Sanchez. Gio Urshela is in as well. They're going to be decent. Nothing special. I, I don't think they're pushing playoff spots. Like, past the division winners there's, and the teams in the AL East, there's really not a lot of teams that are be pushing for playoff spots. But Byron Buxton's a very good player. Jorge Polanco's a very good player. Miguel Sano strikes out a lot, but he's a pretty decent player as well. You brought in three pitchers this offseason. You brought in Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, and Chris Paddock. You just traded for him today with the San Diego Padres. So, yeah, I'm going to have them coming in second place. But it's not going to be a, like a pushing the White Sox for a division title 
second place. At least at least right now. I don't think that's what it is. Uh, third place, I'm going to go with the Detroit Tigers. I'm excited about the Tigers. They're going to be a really fun team to watch. We already talked about Casey Mize, who was the first overall pick in the 2018 draft. He's going to be one of the better pitchers for them. You brought in Eduardo Rodriguez from the Boston Red Sox this offseason as well to be your ace, or supposed ace, for this team. And you've got a very young group of pitchers. Like, Eduardo Rodriguez is the oldest pitcher in this team, and he's 29 years old. Mize is 24. Uh, Scooball's 25. Manning's 24. And Tyler Alexander's 27. It's like you got a very young starting rotation there. You brought in Javi Baez. You just traded for Austin Meadows. Robbie Grossman's a pretty decent outfielder as well. Miguel Cabrera's still somehow kicking it. Jaimir Candelario's a decent switch hitting third baseman. Jonathan Shope's a pretty nice second baseman. And the player everybody in the Tigers organization is excited about. Former number one overall pick from 2020, Spencer Torkelson, made the opening day roster. And him, along with Bobby Witt, who we'll talk about a little bit from the Broyles, are the two favorites early on to win Rookie of the Year for the AL side. Like, very talented players. I'm excited to see what he does. Not even 23 yet. They brought in Tucker Barnhart as well. Pitching-wise, we already talked about the pitches. Why, did I, why was I going to go into that again? But either way, I think they could be a pretty decent team. There was portions last year where they looked like they could be somewhat decent. And yeah, I think they could come in third place in this division. And then the last place, or fourth and fifth place, I'm kind of up in arms about this one because I have really no idea what I want for this last place spot because the Royals are more exciting and there was portions last year like at the start of the season especially where they were one of the better teams in baseball Bobby Witt the number one prospect in all of baseball uh made the opening day roster and is projected to bat second right behind Whit Merrifield who I've wanted for the Cubs for years uh Albert ah geez Ed Alberto Mondesi he's back very speedy shortstop uh pitching they brought Zach Greinke in from the Astros this offseason bring him back to his roots but yeah I don't know I'm kind of up in arms between the Indians, or the Guardians, sorry. The Guardians and the Royals. Like, the Guardians, they brought in Miles Straw, got him from Houston. Or they got him from Houston last year, I'm sorry. Ahmed Rosario, they got him from the Mets. So, uh, yeah. I don't really know what to make of this team either. There's not really... Shane Bieber's still there. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of up in arms. I'm going to go right now, Indians... Jeez. Guardians. I haven't said the name a lot, so I apologize. Guardians finished fourth. We're going to have the Royals finish fit. I am not very confident in that one. That could flip back and forth. I'm not going to die on my hill on that one. Uh, last division, the AL West. We're going to go with the Astros. I mean, I don't care if they lost Greenkey. I don't care if they lost Carlos Correa. It's the Astros division. Uh, there's really, no, I, I'm not explaining this. They just went to the World Series, just lost to the Braves. It's the Astros division until proven otherwise. Uh, second place in the division, the Angels. If everybody stays healthy, everybody stays healthy. They're the two best players in baseball. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. If they stay healthy, you've got the best two players in all of baseball. Anthony Rendon, if he stays healthy, you got one of the other the other better players in all of baseball. Won a World Series with the Nationals. Didn't play a whole lot last year. David Fletcher's a pretty decent shortstop slash second baseman as well. They got Tyler Wade in from the Yankees this offseason as well. Like, this team's good. And then you brought in Noah Syndergaard from the Mets. See how much he plays this year. Shohei Otani's still there. So, yeah. They had to finish second. There's too many good players in this team. The big detriment to this team has always been their pitching. So hopefully that sets them up good this year. But God, you got two of the best players in baseball. You have, you have to get this team right. You have to finish second place in the division. This division's asking you, begging you to finish second. But the Mariners, they'll make some noise as well. Again, they brought in Robbie Ray. They made some trades for Eugenio Suarez. Also brought in Jesse Winker from the Braves. They brought the Braves, the Reds. You brought in Adam Frazier from the Padres. So you made some moves there. Again, Robbie Ray. But I'm going to stick with the Angels because the the Mariners, 
they're that complete team. Not, again, like we talked about earlier with the Rays, nothing's really sexy about this team. Really. But they're a fun team to watch. But I think with the A's, the Angels, geez, definitely not the A's anymore. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Having Otani, Trout, Rendon, Syndergaard, if all those guys can stay healthy, there's really no reason why that team should not finish second in this division. No real reason. If they do, if they don't, I'd be shocked. But the Mariners, they had a decent season last year. But yeah, the fourth place, the Rangers, they made some big splashy moves this offseason, early in the offseason as well. They brought in Marcus Simeon from the Toronto Blue Jays, also brought in Corey Seager. Now Trey Turner's over playing shortstop in the Dodgers. He brought in Brad Miller, Mitch Garver from the Twins. Cole Calhoun, you brought him in from the Diamondbacks, but yeah, their pitching's not great. It's not really that great. John Gray comes in to be their ace, but look at this. Their projected ERAs for all their pitchers are above 4-2. <laughs> That's not great. There's not a single player on this team, projection-wise. Like, Greg Holland's one of your closers. Why? <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. So, yeah, their pitching's going to hold them back a little bit. They didn't. I like the I like Simeon. I like, I like Corey Sager, but yeah, uh, we'll stick them down in fourth. And I, I also like Adolis Garcia, but yeah, fourth is fine. And then last place, just they blew it up. They, they traded Matt Chapman. They traded Matt Olson. They traded the Matt brothers. There's nothing special about this. Steven Vogt is playing first base. You know how bad that is? You're having a backup catcher <coughs> play first base for you. And they're not very good, bad, like an average 37-year-old backup catcher. Elvis Andrews is there as well. Like, there's, I'm not really going to explain this one all too much. There's nothing to really talk about with these. <laughs> if they don't come in last, fair play. But, yeah. So there's my AL predictions. We got, for the AL East, we got Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, and Orioles. Rays and Red Sox, you can flip if you want. Maybe even the Yankees, just flip those however you want. AL Central, White Sox, Twins, Tigers, Guardians, Royals. Flip the, the Orioles and, geez, Guardians, Royals, whatever way you want. West, Astros, Angels, Mariners, Rangers, Rays. And the playoff predictions, we got the Blue Jays winning the East, White Sox Central, Astros in the West, Yankees wild card, Braves wild card, and the Red Sox wild card. Like we said, this division's got four playoff teams in it. One winner and three wild cards. I don't think any other team in the the AL is really good enough. I mean, I like the Angels. But I just feel, again, they have very good players, but I just feel like they'll capitulate at some point. Just because that's what they'll do. That's just what they do. And then moving on to the NL, NL East, I wanted to put the Braves here because I really like the Braves. I was kind of thrown, thrown off a lot last season when we talked about this last year about how the Braves were kind of underrated by a lot of people. And you look at their roster last season, they were stacked. And then they made some additions. They lost Ronald Acuna, made some additions, still won the division. This year, I like them. But the Mets, they made some very nice additions as well. They got Max Scherzer in. Noah DeGrom, or Jacob DeGrom is going to be out for a little bit, which isn't surprising anyone anymore. Brian Sterling Marte from the A's. You brought in Eduardo Escobar, nice switch hitting third baseman from the, the Brewers. Mark Conha, you got him in from the A's as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Mets. I'm going to go with the Mets. Am I confident in it? No. Why? Because it's the Mets. But I'm going to stick with the Mets at first. Then we'll talk about the Braves again. Ronald Acuna is coming off a torn ACL. He's on the 10-day DL to start the season. We'll see when he actually is able to come back. But this team lost Freddie Freeman. You brought in Matt Olson, signed him to a massive contract as well. I like Matt Olson. Marcelo Zuna's back after not playing pretty much most of last season. He lost Jay, uh, Jock Peterson. He went over to the Giants. Brought in Alex Dickerson to be your DH. Ozzie Albee's still a very good player. 
Eduardo, Eddie out, Edgies. Eddie Rosario was very good last year. Austin Riley was a dark horse MVP candidate last year. But I'm going to go with the Mets. I like the Braves a lot. And it's just going to be just. It's not like they're the Mets are running away with it or anything. But I'm going to give it to him just. And we're going to have the Mets winning the NL East. Braves coming in second. And in third place, we got the Phillies. The Phillies made some big moves this offseason. Brought in Kyle Schwarber. Brought in Nick Castellanos. Uh, who else did they bring in? They brought in some other. Corey Kniebel. They brought in from the Dodgers. They brought in Jay's. Jury's Familia from the Mets. They brought in Brad Hand from the Mets as well. They made some moves this offseason. The big ones, obviously, being Schwarber and Castellanos. So we'll see how those moves work out from Gene Segura is still there. Bryce Harper is obviously still there. The reigning NL of MVP, JT Real Muto, is still there. They brought in Yoan Mac- Camargo from the division rival Braves. But it's the Phillies. I'm going to stick them in third, and I feel pretty confident in saying that as well. Fourth place, we're going with the Miami Marlins. Yes, sir, the Miami Marlins. They made some moves this offseason. Brian Horry still there. FSCL Garcia, play right field. Jacob Stallings got an upgraded catcher this offseason. And they brought in Joey Wendell, who was, was at one point an extremely hyped prospect coming through the Rays, and then now he's a backup infielder for the Miami Marlins. Never really got hurt, never really gained a shortstop spot back or second, second base spot back, and then moved to third base and then kind of just bounced around for a little bit. But, yeah, they got a really young starting rotation. Uh, Sandy Alcantara was very nice last year. So, yeah, we're going to go with the Marlins and then the last place team. We're going with the Nationals. They probably have the best player <coughs> in all the National League in Juan Soto. But, yeah, I'm going to stick I'm gonna stick them in last. They're bringing in Michael Franco back. I didn't even know he was still playing. I kind of forgot about him. But he's come back. Lane Thomas is there. They brought Josh, Josh Bell's still there. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is going to be the leadoff guy. They brought him over with the White Sox. But, yeah, I... Yeah, I'm just going to keep them down in last. It's it's close. It's close. Again, they got the best player in National League, probably. Arguably, depending on who you ask. But we're just going to stick them in last. They finished one game behind the Marlins last year. So it's not like it's a very far apart race between these two teams and how bad they are. But we're going to go with the Marlins and we're going to the Nats. But you can put them wherever you want. You can put them wherever you want. NL Central, I think this is one of the easier divisions to predict. Uh, Bra- I don't even need to really go through the entire thing. Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Pirates stink. Reds blew it up. They just signed, I mean, the Pirates did sign Cabrian Hayes to a massive contract extension today. The Cubs, again, I've talked about this before, somewhere in the 80s for wins. That's it. 82 and 80. That's my expectation for the Cubs right now. They won today, and I know I was joking about them being a 80, 162 and 0. We, we know it's not happening. It could. That'd be pretty cool with that happening, but we could pretty much narrow that down. That's not going to happen. So 82 and 80, 80, 82, somewhere between 80 and 85 wins. Anything more than that, I'll see it as an absolute win. Because the Cubs, they did make some moves. They made quite a bit of moves. Also. Say, Sayo Suzuki was the biggest move. They signed him to a five-year, $85 million contract. Nick Madrigal, you got him last year in the Craig Kimbrell trade, which is my favorite part of that. Out of all the trades the Cubs made, that was my favorite one. You got an everyday second baseman who's not going to strike out too much. Again, I know he struck out today. He's not going to strike out too much. Wilson Contreras is still there, the heart and soul of this Cubs team. And you brought in Jonathan Villar, nice switch hitting third baseman, just infielder. Play everywhere. So it'll be a nice for these right-handed matchups at times. You'll make a substitution for one of these guys against left-handed pitches, I would imagine. Clint Frazier, hopefully he balls out this year. A lot of Cubs fans are really hopeful at him. Brought in Jan Gomes to back up Wilson Contreras. And they said today, Jan Gomes, when he came in, Told Wilson Contreras, I'm not here to challenge for your spot. I'm the backup. That's good. Jan Gomes has been in the league for a while. Wilson Contreras, on his day, 
is one of the best catchers in the National League. So I, I'm glad he knows that. You brought in Marcus Stroman, which is an awesome signing to start off the offseason. Brian Michael Givens, Brian David Robertson, Chris Martin, Daniel Morris. Chris Martin just won a World Series with the Braves. Brought Jesse, Jesse Chavez back. It's like he brought back Drew Smiley as well, who didn't play a, a single game, if I remember correctly, the last time he was with the team. But I don't know. I like the moves they made this offseason. It's not anything they'll push for a World Series. I would say they're a year or two away from like challenging for that level. Again, I'm not saying they're two years away from winning a World Series. They could challenge some teams. But this year, I'm just here for the ride. Like, today was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed watching today. And they brought in Andrelton Simmons as well to rotate with Horner at shortstop. So, and Horner can play in the outfield. Horner can play center field. So, when they're playing left-handed pitching, Horner can easily slot into center field. So, I'm cool with whatever this team does this year. I have really... I'm not saying zero expectations. Because <coughs> the lowest expectation for this team is coming third. There's no reason they should... The Reds blew it up. They traded all their... They didn't sign Castellanos, but they traded Wanker, Eugenio Suarez... Like, and they brought it with Cubs Brian Wade Miley as well. Speaking of the Reds, kind of forgot about him. He's on the 10-day deal to start the season. But yeah, I, I'm excited for this Cubs season. I'm not sitting here and like delusions of grandeur that, oh, this team's going to win it all or win this division. That'd be great. Realistically, I know that's not going to happen or not a, pot, not a realistic possibility because the Brewers, they're pitching, starting pitching is just too insane. And I know they lit up, lit up's not putting it right. They played really well against Corbin Burns today. But Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, like, I know they're very good. I know they're very good. Josh Hader, one of the best closers in all of baseball. They're a good team. Willie Adamas, hopefully, he's, for their sake, hopefully for everybody else's sake, he's not healthy all year. But this team's good. They're starting rotation. They'll win the division. I The Cardinals, a lot of sentimental value with this team this year. Just again, bringing pools back with Yachty and Wainwright coming back for their final year. So just the face of the franchise from the 2000s are all back. But, yeah, second place. I'm not saying the Brewers are going to run away with this division because it's a very tight division. But, yeah. I know Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Uh, if the Pirates come anything above last, that's impressive. But I wouldn't. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because, again, the Reds don't have anybody on their team right now. So, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on that because I've talked about the NL Central quite a bit when we've talked about baseball just because I'm a Cubs fan. And the final division, the NL West, Easiest division winner in the entire thing at <laughs> the Dodgers. Uh, they just brought in Freddie Freeman. Like, uh, what what does this team need? I mean, I know they lost AJ Pollock, but oh my god, they lost AJ Pollock. Don't care. This team's good. Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw, Julio's Julio Urias, Brian Andrew Heaney from the Yankees. They br- trade for Kate Kimbrell. <laughs> they got Daniel Hudson coming in. <laughs> like what? Freddie Freeman's huge. Second base is going to be a little bit of an interesting thing for him this year. Gavin Lux, very highly touted young player when he first broke through, but was really up and down, spent some time down, and I think Oklahoma City is their minor league team. Mookie Betts still there. Trey Turner, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Will Smith. Uh, hopefully he smacks some dingers this year. <laughs> uh, Chris Taylor's a very fun player for them, and then obviously Cody Bellinger. When Cody Bellinger's on, there's not a lot of players better than Cody Bellinger. When he's on. But the key thing is he's on. He swings and misses it a lot, but when he's on, he's a very good player. So, yeah, you have the liberty of playing Cody Bellinger in the ninth, the eighth spot in the rotation. What? Yeah, the Dodgers, if they don't win the World Series, I'll be shocked. <laughs> Just putting it like that. Though I'll be shocked. Second place in this division, again, really between two teams, the Giants and the Padres. 
Uh, Fernando Tatis is on the 60-day DL to start the season. They traded away Adam Frazier, sent him up to the, or traded away, or the, they traded for Adam Frazier from the Pirates. I don't know if they traded him up to Seattle or not, or if he just signed there in free agency, but I like the Giants. Giants are that team. I mean, they won the division last year. They had the best overall record in baseball, if I'm not mistaken, last year. Like, this team's good. They didn't really lose a lot. I mean, losing Buster Posey's massive in regards to the face of the franchise and everything. But Joey Bart is a former second overall draft pick. Like, Joey Bart, in time, will be a very good catcher. He's 25 years old. You brought in Jock Peterson, as we said before. They're really only big signing they made in regards to the batting order. But pitching, you brought in Carlos Rodon from the White Sox. Massive get for them. I like their starting pitching. I like the. I just like the Giants. I just like the Giants. Brandon Crawford's one of the best defensive shortstops in all of baseball. Has been for some time now. I'm going to have them coming in second. And then we're going to have the Padres coming in third just because of the uh, the uncertainty around Fernando Tatis. I like some of the players they got. They brought in Luke Voigt, who, for those of you who don't know this, I was an intern. I, mean, I talked about being an intern for the I-Cubs earlier, I think, if I remember correctly. But we were there and I was directing the game. And I was sitting there and I, they were just going, I mean just talking about random things on the Mander comms, like, what can you guys do? And I said, oh, I can do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. And they were playing the Memphis Redbirds. The I-Cubs were playing the Memphis Redbirds. And I was go, I was, once I said it, everybody's like, of course, you have to do it. As people usually are. Like, okay, you said you're going to do it, now do it. But then I got nervous. And I sat there, I was like, okay, if this net, if they score two runs in this inning, I will do the Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Upsets Luke Voigt, and he jacks a two-run homer to dead center. Ends the inning. Two, no, two, two runs scored. So that was fun. But uh, I'm not going to do it here. Because no one's no one's telling me to do it now. But Luke Voigt, I'll always remember Luke Voigt for that. But he's got he signed this offseason from the Yankees. He was not really too thrilled that the Yankees went out and signed Anthony Rizzo, or traded for Anthony Rizzo. But hey, that's how things work. Uh, the Brewers, they traded for Victor Caratini. So he's on there now. So Jorge Alfaro is the backup to Austin Nolan now. The only uh, they had Alfaro on this team since December, but it was the rotational piece between those two. But yeah, just the unquite the uncertainty around one of the best players in all of baseball, Fernando Tatis. <clears throat> I don't know. You Darvis is still there. Blake Snell is still there. But I'm, yeah. They brought in Sean Manaya from the the Oakland Athletics to trade him for Chris. Oh wait, no. I got my teams mixed around. I was trying to look at the trades they tried to do, but no. Never mind. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Giants in second and the Padres in third. And then the, the fourth place team, one of the weirdest teams in all of baseball, the Rockies, they traded away or let Trevor Story go, which is weird. If you're going to go out and then sign Chris Bryant to a massive contract. I don't know what the thought process was between both parties, between the Rockies and Chris Bryant. And I love Chris Bryant. I will never say a bad word about Chris Bryant. Won an MVP the years the Cubs won the World Series. So I will never say anything bad about Chris Bryant. This move's weird. And I can't be the only one that thinks this move is really weird. Like, Chris Bryant signed a massive contract with them. <coughs> and they had some decent play. Charlie Blackman, 35 years old, still kicking it. Projected to hit around 280 this year. Brandon Rogers is a decent second baseman. Ryan McCann's pretty decent. They got Randall Grishik from the, the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Iglesias, they got him from the Red Sox. So they got some decent players. They got some good starting pitching. Not really. <laughs> That's the main thing. Their pitching has been bad for a while. Like, if you look at their projections right now, the only person projected to blow a 5 ERA is Jermaine Marquez. Everybody else in their starting rotation is projected to be above a 5 ERA. For those of you who aren't aware, that's not good. 
Their pitching has been bad for a while now. I don't know why they won't just like completely refuse to fix it, but that's just what they do. That's what they do. In last place, I mean, they went on the exceedingly long losing streak last year, the Diamondbacks. Cattell Marte is a very talented player. He just plays for the Diamondbacks. But, yeah, there's really no need. Do I really need to explain why I think the Diamondbacks will come in last place in this division? I think everybody believes the Diamondbacks will come in last place. I could be wrong. Maybe the maybe the Rockies come in last place, but I just think it's almost as nailed on as the Pirates coming in last place or the Orioles coming in last place or teams like that. But here's my NL, NL recap. So the NL East, we had Yankees, Braves, Phillies, Mariner, or Mariners, Marlins, and Nationals. Flip those around if you want to. Central, Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. West, Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Rockies, and then Diamondbacks. And my playoff predictions, obviously in the East, we have the Ye- the Mets. Then we have the Brewers in the Central and the Dodgers in the West. Wild card, we got the Braves, Giants, and the Phillies. We're going to go with the Phillies with the last one. But uh, the divi- the pennant winners for each division or each league, we're going to go with the Dodgers for the NL and the Blue Jays for the AL. But I think the AL for the, tw- the Blue Jays will be pretty tough just because of how good their division is. But... That's beside the point. They're really talented. They're a very talented team. So they're the early favorites. World Series, I think the Dodgers will win it. I don't really think there goes a lot. It doesn't really take a lot to think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. And my award predictions this year, AL MVP, we're going to go Vlad Guerrero from the Blue Jays. AL Cy Young, Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. AL Rookie of the Year, Bobby Witt. Go go with him or Torkelson. Torkelson, I think, could have a decent shot just because I think the Tigers will be better. But it could be whatever. I We'll see. I think there's less people that could... Because sometimes in these awards, they'll look like... Because I remember when the Cubs were up for, like, Cy Young. It was like Lester, Hendricks, Arietta, and Kershaw. I think it was Kershaw. One of the other pitchers. And they were like, well, Kershaw should win Cy Young because the Cubs starting... That's three of the top three guys in the Chicago Cubs rotation. So, like, when you have other players that are as good or better or whatever as you on your roster, that kind of takes away from how good you were, which is weird to think about it, but... Maybe that's the case with Torkelson. There's a lot less of those players with Bobby Witt with the Royals than are with Torkelson. Mainly, Javi Baez, the best player on the team, probably. Casey Mize up there as well. But NL MVP, we're going to go with Freddie Freeman. Pissed off after not after seeing the, the Braves trade for Matt Olson. So uh, he's going to be pissed off, win a World Series, and win MVP. Walker Buehler for Cy Young, and then Seiya Suzuki for AL, NL Rookie of the Year. Hunter Green's also up there as well for the Reds. Former, what, number one overall pick? Finally made the roster, 20-something years old. So, yeah, that's my predictions for the 2022 MLB season. I could be completely wrong on all of these things, and I hope I kind of am because it'd be kind of funny to see if I was wrong on every single prediction and, like, really wrong. Not just wrong like, oh, you were kind of off on that one. No, like the Orioles winning the AL East or something like that. <laughs> like that level of bad. I don't think that'll happen, but, you know, you never know. It's sports. I don't think a lot of people predicted St. Peter's to go to the Elite Eight unless you were doing a lower siege bracket. Like, unless you were doing that, they weren't going to the, that was as far as you were making them. Unless you're crazy and just actually thought St. Peter's had something against Kentucky or all these other schools they played. Or just really like St. Peter's. I don't know. But that's the world of sports. But speaking of the world of sports, wow, the world of sports. We're on the Logan Blackman Show. We're going to transition a little bit. We're not going to go too much further into this episode. But, uh... Talk about the draft a little bit. This is something that's popped up recently, and it's kind of thrown me off a little bit, but I'm not, I'm, I don't know how I want to work. I'm surprised, but not surprised at the exact same time about this. And it involves Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. 
who I think is a very talented quarterback. He's the most one of the most. I think he has the most wins at every quarterback in this draft class. He definitely looks the oldest. If we're talking about skill set and size mixed together, he's one of the better quarterbacks in this draft class. If you're looking at most ready prospects, I think you look at him and Kenny Pickett as the top two guys just because of how many games they played. Kenny Pickett played five years at Pitt. Desmond Ritter played four years at Cincinnati. So like, these are very experienced guys. But until recently. And part, again, part of me is kind of surprised, but part of me is sitting there like, I'm not really that surprised. Because I watched Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. I'm very high on Desmond Ritter. But do I, am I high enough to go, he's better than Matt Corral? I don't know. And I, there's a lot of people that really like Desmond Ritter's interviews. He's a bigger quarterback than, than Matt Corral. He's more athletic than Matt Corral. I don't know if he's more accurate, has a stronger arm than Matt Corral. And he's battled a whole hell of a lot less injuries than Matt Corral. There's been a whole lot less up and down with Matt Corral over the past two years in general. Because I know from his freshman to sophomore to junior year, there was a big like loop-de-loop thing in regards to, oh, that was really good, to, oh, no, ah, yes. And then he plateaued and went, okay, we're good. But the thing I've been seeing recently, and I said this in my last mock draft. We were talking about, I think, either on Monday or Friday. I think Desmond River go to Atlanta. I think in regards to his comparison, what he looks like, what he plays like, Marcus Mariota is that comparison. In regards to right now NFL prospects. When he was in college, we compared him to Trey Lance. Athletic quarterback, had some things he needed to work on, but if you figure out everything, the dude will be really good. Very experienced college quarterback. And I think him and going to Atlanta would be perfect for his skill set. But the thing that's throwing me off a little bit, I had him going to Atlanta in the second round. The past couple days... I have seen him going number eight to Atlanta. Now, I'm sorry. I like Desmond Ritter. I don't think he should be going at eighth overall. Because the Falcons, who are a very bad team, who have a plethora of holes, if they were going to take a quarterback, they should have taken one last year. Like, do you think... I, I said this during the draft last year, and I still say it now. If Trey Lance was available... If the 49ers went with what people were saying they were doing and taking Mac Jones, Falcons would have taken Trey Lance. I am very confident in saying that. Now, hindsight's 2020, but we've been saying that for the, over the past year, that if Trey Lance is there, the Falcons will take him. And someone we compared Trey Lance to, or Travis Murder to, was Trey Lance. So if he's there at eight, which is <coughs> a very good possibility of happening, there's that argument again, and we brought this up before, and it goes back to when the Giants drafted Daniel Jones in 2019. If you see a quarterback you like, don't risk him going somewhere else. Take him with your first pick. So you don't have you don't toy with that idea because the most important position on the football field and all of sports is the quarterback position. If you have a quarterback, everything else can kind of sort itself out. Obviously, there's, there's, you know, examples if you're just with a really badly run organization. But most of the time, you have your quarterback, especially on a rookie contract, everything can sort itself out. And if the Falcons, like, if they really like Desmond Ritter, and I think they do, and this is the similar, exact same situation where it goes to the Falcons have a second-round pick. They think they pick 43rd or something, or 44th, or something along those lines. There's a chance they could take Desmond Ritter there. There's also a chance that someone like the Lions at 32 or even 34, 
the Seahawks at 41 or 42 or 40 and 41. I don't remember what picks they have exactly. Or recently, this has also been getting brought up, the Saints at 16 and 19. Or the Steelers at 20. Like, Desmond Ritter is building up steam in regards to being a possible, not only top 15 pick or top 20 pick, a top 10 pick. And with the Falcons being somewhat out there and going, we like Desmond Ritter, they might actually take him at eight. And I'm working on my mock draft right now because we released it last Friday. Mock draft 3.0. So mock draft 4.0 will be out here in a little bit. Is there actually a chance that happens? Like there was not a lot of people out there that said Daniel Jones would be selected sixth overall with the Giants. And this quarterback class has been widely considered. We went over this on Monday. Widely considered one of the worst quarterback draft classes in recent memory. And we went over each draft class and compared each draft class from all the way to 1997. Went through all the draft classes. It's not as bad as what people are saying, but it's not amazing. Like the past however many years, you've had a few guys where you go, that's the guy. Now you go, we think this guy could be the guy. When you're talking about Pickett, Ritter, Willis, Corral, Howell. But man, it's building up. But the other question is, if they, hypothetically, let's say that the Lions, so that we'll go with the first seven picks of my last mock draft, where we got Walker, Hutchinson, Aquanu, Thibodeau, uh, Neal, Pickett, Gardner, and then, no, I missed somebody, didn't I? Did I miss Neal? I don't remember, but either way. Willis is available. Are you going to sit there and tell me that the Falcons would actually... Now, again, this is all projections. Ritter is a lot more ready to play right now than Malik Willis is. I think Malik Willis's ceiling is higher than Ritter's. I almost say significantly. It's not significantly higher, but it's higher than Ritter's. <coughs> He's not as big as Ritter. And again, Ritter's more ready to play. There's some people saying Willis needs about two years to get ready. So do you really think the Falcons would pass on Malik Willis to take Desmond Ritter there at eight? Is that something they would actually think, especially with Malik Willis being an Atlanta native? I don't know. There's a lot of questions here. Like we, There's a few mock drafts I've seen recently with Bucky Brooks releasing one from the NFL Network that didn't have a single quarterback in the first round. There is a chance. I don't know how good of a chance it is. There's a chance there could be three quarterbacks taken in the top ten. Because it sounds like people really like Desmond Ritter. And it sounds like people really think that he could be a top 20 pick. With the Saints just releasing Blake Bortles. So, I mean, they do have Andy Dalton. They have um, Jameis there. They have Taysom Hill there. But did they draft a quarterback in the first round? And is it Desmond Ritter? Is it Pickett? Is it Willis? Is it Corral? Get another Ole Miss guy. The last time they drafted a quarterback in the first round was another Ole Miss quarterback and Archie Manning. Maybe that's another thing they do here. I don't know. I think he'll go to Atlanta. Like, I've said, I said this last week. I said it Monday. Like, I think he'll go to Atlanta. But now that might actually be the first round, which is crazy to think about. I think he fits really well with what Arthur Smith wants to do. He's a very similar style quarterback to Marcus Mariota. I think it'd be a match made in heaven. Not at eight. There's some very good players that are ranked a lot higher than Desmond Ritter that you could take at eight. 
Like any wide receiver you want. You could take Jermaine Johnson there. Hell, you could take Jordan Davis if you want to. You could take Charles Cross because your old line's not very good. There's a lot of players that are ranked higher than him. But again, quarterback's the most important position on the football field. If the Falcons are upset they passed on a quarterback last year, might have to. Or might, I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do or that I would do because I can tell you right now, I certainly as hell would not do it. But you can see him trading the first round. I don't know. <clears throat> but time will tell. That's just something that popped up today that I've been kind of thrown off about. Desmond Ritter is going all over the place in regards to his draft stock. Like I'm very intrigued to see where he goes. And the other quarterbacks, that were, while we're on the topic, just quarterback outside of Pickett and Willis, because we all know, generally speaking, we have a good idea that they're going in the first round. I'm not saying it's nailed on, locked in, guaranteed, but I think there's a better chance of them going, both going in the top 10 and then both of them not being in the first round, or one of them not being in the first round. But like Corral, I think Seattle really likes him. We said that on Monday or Friday, whenever we talked about where quarterbacks we think we're going, where they're going. They have the 40th and 41st or 41st and 42nd picks in the draft. I don't know if he falls there, especially when a team like the Lions having two first, a first-round pick and a second-round pick before the Seahawks come up to that pick. So they pick 32nd and 34th. So maybe they have to trade up a little bit. Sam Howell, I could see him going to the Lions, really. Like, Sam Howell worked with them at the Senior Bowl. Sam Howell is, did really well this offseason in regards to workouts. So maybe that's an opportunity for Sam Howell to play for the Detroit Lions. Maybe that's an actual thing that could happen. Carson Strong? I don't know. But, like, it'll be interesting. This quarterback draft class is very intriguing. Because I remember mock drafts back in 2013 in the E.J. Manuel Geno Smith draft. I had Geno Smith going top 10, and he went in the second round. E.J. EJ Manuel is the only quarterback taken in the first round. It's like, maybe we're going down that rabbit hole again, but... I can't, I, I still don't think the Panthers will pass on Pickett. <coughs> Regardless of who's there. I really don't think they'll pass on Pickett. Just because of the connection with Daniel, with David Tepper, the owner, and Matt Rule, the coach. They're really well represented at his pro day. I don't care who's there, if all the quarterbacks are there, if only Pickett's there. I think he's their guy. I'd be pretty surprised if he's not. And uh, the final thing I want to talk about today, since, uh, Sticking with football right now for a little bit. Uh, Stephon Diggs signed a new contract. So basically, what this is saying is that the Bills are in win-now mode. And we already knew they were in win-now mode. Right now, they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Which is a weird feeling for me. A weird feeling for every single Bills fan out there. You got a new stadium coming in in a few years. You locked up Diggs. You locked up Allen. You locked up Trey White. Like Josh Allen's locked up to 2028. Diggs is locked up to 2027. Trey White's locked up to 2026. The three best players on the roster are all on the con- under contract for the next four seasons. And I know you can make arguments for like Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, um, who else would be considered in that conversation for best players on the Bills? Matt Milano is another one, Jermaine Edmonds, but like those are the best three players, and they're all locked up for four years. So this is a win now mode, and. Uh, the thing is, you gotta get past that. You gotta get past that Kansas City threshold. You gotta get past that Kansas City threshold. I know the Chiefs are supposed to, you know, have a down year or whatever, but uh, it's still the Chiefs. I don't care if they lost the AFC Championship game last year. They made four straight AFC Championship games, hosted four straight AFC Championship games. It's still the Chiefs' division. I don't care if they didn't go to the Super Bowl last year. 
I don't care if they've only won one Super Bowl. The AFC is still run by the Chiefs until proven otherwise. Because I don't think the Bengals run it. I think the Bengals had a good season. I don't think they run it. I could be wrong, but I don't think they run it. But the Bills are the favorite to win the Super Bowl, which is very weird for me to say. But that's the reality in which we live in right now. And I don't know if I have anything else to talk about. I just wanted to go over that because that was very exciting news. Made it official today. It was announced a couple days ago. Or that they were doing it a couple days ago. But uh, now it's official. And uh, I'm here for it. <laughs> I am very, very here for it. So, yeah. That's all I've got for you today. I hope this show went a little better than what last <laughs> what Wednesday's episode was. I think it went better personally. But you know what? I'm obviously going to judge a little different than every, differently than everybody else did. That's neither here nor there. I hope you enjoyed the show regardless. If not, I apologize. Make sure you're following the Logan Blyman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We didn't do this earlier. The show's Instagram, Twitter accounts, Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook, the Logan Blackman Show. YouTube, the Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe, like, and watch a few videos on YouTube. Give us some likes as well. And, of course, you're listening to it right now, so make sure to subscribe to both the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account and leave a rating out of five stars on both. I would greatly appreciate it. Check out Mock Draft 3.0 on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can find the links on Twitter, Instagram, and my bio, both Instagram accounts in their bios, and on Facebook. So make sure you go and do that. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Again, if not, I apologize, but I will try better next time, and I will see you all later. Peace.